DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision summer LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. All right, 855-340-ZONE. We've got Jazz fans lining up. Game four tonight. Jazz up 2-1 on the Clippers. Mike Conley officially listed as questionable. Robert is on the line. Robert, good morning. Good morning, guys. Hey, Robert. So I think what it comes down to is that the Jazz just need to go there and act like the Clippers are trying to take their cake. And they need to say, you're not taking my cake, and I'm going to punch you in the face if you get my cake. They need to go show a little bit of New York attitude, show that they are the number one defense so they can play like that. And they need to be a little tougher, have the energy, and they need to go there and get you know Paul George and Jackson off their shooting spots and get the comfortableness out of the way and start playing a little tougher and rougher and, and act like they really want this championship. They can say it all day, but until they go there and pound them in the face a little bit, figuratively, they're not going to win this or the next series because Phoenix is playing with a little bit of anger, and the Jazz need to get that to go forward at all. So they have to act as if their cake was stolen. They need to go and take the cake. They can't be letting someone come in there and eat the cake. You know, if it's angel, my if, slice of cake. If it's angel food cake, I let people just take it. Now, if it's German chocolate, I will battle you. Suppose and it doesn't matter. Suppose, yeah, my games doesn't matter. Suppose they leave the cake out in the rain. Well, they, they, I don't know. Who, who wants wet, moist cake like that? you got to go take the good stuff. <laughs> and they want it, then they'll go get it. All right, Robert. <laughs> I was afraid. I'm relieved because I was afraid you were going Millie Vanilli there and you were going to blame it on the rain, and then that was just going to be out of control. It's not Millie and Vanilli. It's just Millie Vanilli. <laughs> I thought the dude on the left was Millie and the dude on the right was Vanilli, and then neither one of them were singing, so right. I don't care anymore. But... It's the name of the group was not Millie, and it's like not like Sunny and Sure to go to your wheelhouse. <laughs> I was I was I, I was unable call, I was unable to sleep last night at about ten after two. So yeah, I'm tired right now, and I'm channel surfing, and I hit one of those share time life things, and they were selling you know for a hundred bucks, just nineteen ninety five a month for five months. What are you buying? Uh, you get like 10 of her shows. You get two of her concerts. It's like eight CDs. Just watching for all the clips. She had some stars on her show. There's some big time stars there. Donnie and Marie. Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy D. Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Red, Red Fox. Yeah. Doing a bit Red better. Fox. The old comedy variety shows. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Had a couple clips with Sonny. When do you get them? Well, they said they're going to overnight them. So. Overnight them? All right. I'm coming over to your house after the game tonight. No, I've resisted <laughs> buying any of those. When I was going through my uh, dad's uh, condo after he uh, passed away, I found that uh, he had bought uh, some of those. He had, uh, I think it was a Best of Johnny Carson thing. Ooh, that must have been uh, divisive in the fam. Who got those? Not really. No? <laughs> I think the dumpster got them. The dumpster? I think so, yeah. You could have sold them, you idiot. Yeah, well, there you go. It's a lot of stuff to go through. It didn't get sold. Just put it on KSL, boom. You got five people show up at your door. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want five people showing up at my door. Well, when you're not home. 
That's why I got the albino alligators in the moat. <laughs> Nobody's showing up. He can oh. sell anything. My wife got a new golf bag. Hers was ripped. Yeah. She went down to someplace, sold the old one for 15 bucks. Wow, nice. Yeah. yeah. I got some more stuff she can sell. We can split the proceeds. Make a little money on the side. So the Jazz need to be tougher. They need to take the cake. What do you think, callers? Did that phone call take the cake? Well, aside from the tangents he got us off on, which probably sucked, uh, I think his core point has some truth to it there. And you're just not very tough when you're giving up 132 points. You're you're playing in tuxedos. Sometimes the other teams just make shots. It's true. But don't let them make wide open shots. And they made some wide open shots. Well, then if you make wide open shots, then you're even. True story. Were the Clippers tougher than the Jazz in game three? Not they played better. That's not the question. I'm I, mean, I don't know. I don't toughness. know about. I don't know about toughness. I would say they played with more energy. I thought they moved better on defense. I thought they could change sides with the ball and and get some pretty wide open looks. One of the things that's bugging me is it doesn't seem like Rudy's getting used enough offensively. Now they're going small, but I don't know that the Jazz are making them pay for it. They're not making them pay for it. I would agree with that. And Rudy has had pedestrian offensive games, and he's not an offensively prolific player by any stretch. But I would but he like can get to see you, him. He can get you 20 on a big night. Right, and that's what I would like yeah. to see more of. It doesn't seem like they've taken advantage of the size that he brings relative to Morris guarding him or Tomb or whoever it might be. He or, only took six shots. Well, he took seven, but I'm not counting the one he took at the end of the quarter. He threw up something from half court. I'm throwing that out. He was 0 for 1 from 3. He was 0 for 1 from 3. <laughs> so that means he was 4 of 6 on the traditional stuff that he's going to get within 5 feet of the hoop. enough. No, I would agree with that. He had more than that because you get fouled and they don't count as FGAs. But, they're but he only shot 4 free throws, so right. we'll give him 2 more. Right. It, it doesn't seem like it's enough for me. Now, I don't have any numbers to back it up. I mean, I just watch the games like my neighbors yeah. do. But it just seems but like we you always have an default. advantage there, and it's not being taken advantage of. We default to the offensive end, and there's certainly things they can do to find another 10 points, right? You're way more likely to win when you score 116 than when you score 106. Uh, but 132 is just way too many. Are and you, I get when Donovan left the game, both sides knew it was over. The, oh yeah. the Clippers had a lead and all that. So I'll even throw the fourth quarter out, but... 27 points in the first, 37 in the second, 30 in the third. The Jazz are not defending well in the first three quarters when it's still a game. Throw out the 38 in the fourth. I get there's a lot of garbage time. So we'll set that aside. But they can't be over 90 points in three quarters, and you think you seriously have a chance to win the game in the series. If the Clippers are sitting on 90-plus points, I guess it was 94, uh, in games four, five, and six— they're in great shape in games four, five, and six. You gotta, you gotta limit that. You go to that every time. You just go to points, and then you draw a direct line to the other team's defense. And there's never accountability for the team's offense. Great offense is going to be great defense every time. Right, but that was great offense beating mediocre to poor defense. So the defensive effort was drastically different when it got to Los Angeles versus what they have here in SLC. I don't buy it. 
I thought just to the naked eye, Clippers offense. To the naked eye, the Clippers were moving better on defense, more energy. Quinn always talks about pickup points. Okay, well, but we're Clippers, not talking about the Clippers. The defense. Clippers are picking we're talking up. about the Clippers offense and the Jazz defense. Right, but it's easier to score. It's easier to get open shots and get in rhythm against the Jazz defense than it was against the Clipper defense. I know, but we're not talking about the Clipper defense. So you think that the Clipper offense, the Jazz defense and offense was substantially worse in Game 3 than it was in Games 1 and 2. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. I thought it was a much poorer performance. But I think a lot of that goes to the energy level. And I, I can write off, I, I don't know that any of this really carries over to Game 4 and people should be freaking out about it. I think the way the Jazz lost can irritate a player and they can come with a lot more energy in Game 4. So I don't know that one thing carries over to another. So maybe not. Of, now it's a maybe, lack of energy. Maybe they'll run it back. Yeah, I think that's why their defense wasn't as good. So they sucked offensively. They sucked defensively. <laughs> I didn't, they didn't say have they sucked. I didn't say they energy. sucked offensively. Well, they weren't good enough offensively. They, they were not good enough. enough I'll give you they weren't good enough, but I'm not going to give you they sucked. <laughs> they weren't good enough, and I am sure there's stuff. I mean, they taught. They everybody talked about spacing. There's something there, and maybe that's part of what's going on with Rudy. You know, maybe the spacing isn't great, and one guy gets into his body, so it's a little hard to jump. And then the the second guy, because the spacing isn't right, is able to kind of come help crowd the passing lane. Don't give me kinda. I'm sick of these guys asking <laughs> questions with the kinda. Just say it. We don't need kinda. Will you talk to me about kinda? Talk to me about it. Drives me nuts with these kinda. guys. All the questions, kind of. Kind of talk to me Just about it. Just say it, man. If you thought they didn't play well, say it. You're the And people rely on you. You win the awards because of your basketball knowledge. And the fact I vote a lot. Well, yeah. <laughs> don't tell me. I mean, we that that's the whole issue here for the last year. I've always believed in voter fraud, and now you just admitted it. I don't think they're talking about the City Weekly thing. But. Oh, oh. Well, wouldn't put it past you because you wanted that guy out so desperately on the day of his birthday, no less. We count on you for your basketball knowledge, buddy. So if you say they sucked on offense, sucked on defense, and didn't have enough energy. I didn't say they sucked on offense. You just keep saying that. Well, that's essentially what you're saying. It's, it's not. not. You don't want to be. You're not Paul George. You're not going to be flat out rude. I'm Paul George. I was rude about the defense. They sucked on defense. I'll give you that. I'm not giving you they sucked on offense. Well, they sucked on defense. They sucked on energy. Two out of three, you suck. And that gets you beat. Right. So they sucked. By 26 points. We just conjugated sucked right there. You say it. And we count on you for the basketball knowledge. I never played the game. I only hit one jump shot in my life and one hook shot. That was it. The series is now 2-1. Are the Jazz in trouble? Tyler says, nah. But I think if they lose tonight, I'll be very worried. So I think tonight is extremely crucial to get a W. Don't want to give the Clippers confidence tying up the series. I think they already got it. That's what concerns me. That's what I was saying about Paul George and Reggie Jackson. I think they already have it. Yep. So I think tonight is going to be very, very difficult. George says tonight's going to look different, and it's going to be much closer. But it is still up for grabs for either team. If the Jazz win, series is over. I wouldn't go as far as that. But obviously, extremely. The odds tip in your favor big time. Odds-wise, no question But it doesn't go to 100%. No, I'm not going there. 
I, my, the, my respect for the Clippers is too good. Yes. And I think also that it's the nature of the NBA and the impact injuries have. It's not, you've said it a million times, it's, it's not over until you get to four. And at 3-0, you're in awesome shape. It's not over. Nobody's ever done it, but it could. I, I don't think I had more confidence in a team on recent memory than I had in the Nets after they won by 49 over the Bucks to go up 2-0. And the Bucks, who've had postseason failure, and that could get in your head, but the Bucks win one game, and then in the next game, Kyrie even Irving gets hurt. And I, who's got confidence in the Nets now? It seems shaky at two two. Well, it's the health. Yes, I have. Con- I complete confidence in them in a healthy I, net team. Right. right, but I don't have confidence in their health. Right, that's the issue. But if the health sinks them, the Bucks won't care. They're back well, in the Eastern it, Finals. It doesn't matter baby. in the end. It yeah. doesn't matter. Although if I just switch Harden for Irving, I still like the Nets. Doesn't sound like hard to play in Game Five, but they say he's getting close. Maybe he could play in Game Six. I don't know. I don't know either. But when they say they're not going to rush him back, it made me think. Okay, so he's not back for five. And that's another thing too. You go up three one, and one of your guys uh, gets hurt. It could change. You know, yep. everything can change in a heartbeat. You know, I, I at this level, it's not over. I, I thought four. the Jazz were always going to beat Memphis. Well, the Clippers are a much different entity than Memphis. No, there's just no doubt about it. I believe if the Clippers wanted the best record, they probably could have had it. But they were much more concerned about the matchups. And this is the matchup that they wanted. So we need to start getting some uh, anger towards the Clippers. I like it. They disrespected our guy, Paul. I mean, our guy, Joe. And they they coordinated this matchup because they didn't believe that we were good enough. And and Quinn casually, but carefully, uh, mentioned that in the run-up to Game 1. There's no question he mentioned it. Yeah, in the run-up to Game 1. and I thought it was pointed. Yeah, and so... He mentioned it in Quinn Snyder style. Yes. Which is not flamboyant and not ranting, not raving. Take that for your data. (laughs) He's never going to do that. You know what I mean? I love that one. Right. And all of a sudden... go out and overtly do stuff. That's not who he is. We've seen enough of his interviews over the course of seven years. That's not his way. But he said it exactly what needed to be said in his way. They saw a matchup that was favorable to them. They thought that they had something favorable. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. So now... I think the Jazz need to, to, to be aware of that stuff here. They Tap into you. that. Tap into the, yeah. whatever energy and emotion you got from that again. Yeah. I, I, I don't necessarily, I'm kind of talking on both sides of my mouth because I feel like, oh, that stuff's overplayed. But Paul George said it, and maybe the Jazz, they need to do something to respond accordingly to show them, hey, bleep you. <laughs> And we'll leave it there, I mean, Jersey yeah, because, fans. Because I've always believed if somebody's trying to take something that you want or have, yes, bleep them. They're not my friend. This is how rivalry started in pro sports. You become my enemy. This is how rivalry starts in pro sports. It's different in college, but in pro, someone's got to take something away from you. Well, in college, it might come down to proximity. You're the two teams in the city or the state or whatever. But when it really gets juicy in all sports is when... You want something, and they want something, and one of you takes away from the other. And then if the next year the same thing happens, the other team wins and takes it away, now you really got something. Now you got a big-time The Clippers have disrespected the Jazz. 
by losing on purpose against Oklahoma City. Well, six of their last ten. Right. But certainly that final game against Oklahoma City. My blood is boiling right now. All right, DJ and PK. Doesn't matter if your blood is boiling. Matters what a few players in Los Angeles are thinking. DJ and PK coming up. U.S. Open Preview. Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio, will join us next. More on the Jazz in the Playoffs with Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, at the top of the hour. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hanson Scotty announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 60 and 60, presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness on 97.5 FM, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Well, look who made an appearance. Paul George! Kawhi Leonard! Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have some fight in them after all. Let's go! Our Utah Jazz look to leave Los Angeles up 3-1 after Monday night. In the lane, high off the glass, and in Donovan Mitchell. I will never back down! Game 4 tips off at 8 p.m. I will never back down! The Jazz Live pregame show begins at 7. I will never back down! On your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. I will never back down. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This you in a golf U.S. Open preview with Real Golf Radio's Bob Casper is brought to you by Mountainland Supply, Zions Bank, Black Desert Resort, and get some guns and ammo. Time to welcome in Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio. You hear him Saturday mornings here on the Zone Sports Network. With Brian Taylor talking golf every Saturday morning for three hours, he joins us now to look ahead to the U.S. Open. Bob, good morning. Hey, DJ. How you doing? Good. Not as good as you. <laughs> what percentage of major championships do you get to play the course a month or two before the major championship? Uh, there's not very many. But, uh, you know, it was... Uh, it was a great opportunity for us to go down to San Diego, and uh, I think we played, what, two and a half, three weeks ago, something like that, and uh, the golf course was awesome, um, getting better and better as uh, the time went on. Um, they had a lot of uh, fertilizer and stuff on the course trying to grow up the rough and, and get you know get the golf course into, into peak shape, and that's probably where it's at right now. Thanks for the invite. Sorry about that. I hate you. <laughs> Speaking of you hate. You wouldn't have liked it. It was. It was <laughs> what? You Go know, ahead. I played that golf course a lot of times. And uh, we played it from 6,600 yards, only 1,000 yards shorter than where those guys are going to play it this week. So it's only. Great. <laughs> only. <laughs> That's a massive uh, difference there for sure. It is. Yes. So. Speaking of hate, this this much has been made of this Kepka, uh, what's his face, DeChambeau thing, uh-huh. and, and going back and forth. Uh, what is your feeling on supposedly it is good for the game? Well, I think I think rivalries are good for the game. It's pretty funny how this is kind of uh, it's almost a little bit contrived, and it's right. Um, you know, and the media is is probably blown a little bit out of proportion. But you know, I thought it was I thought it was pretty funny um, that uh, that Brooks Kepka last week wasn't playing, and uh, guys were guys were kind of uh, given Bryson the business and stuff, and 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 got tossed out of the out of the tournament um, for doing it, and then and then uh, 
Brooks ended up uh, giving them fifty cases of beer. Right. So, um, I, you know, I, I think it's I think it's kind of funny. It's uh, it's um, it's good for the game to have rivalries and stuff. And you know, I think it'll it'll be what it is. But um, you know, the guys aren't like crazy mad at each other or anything like that. It's I think it's kind of a fun thing. I don't need them crazy mad at each other. I don't need people throwing clubs at each other or anything off the charts. I just need them paired together in the final round of the U.S. Open, either in the last group, next to last group, but in the hunt. And then I just wonder how they look at each other as they get ready to putt or get ready to tee off or whatever, and if that impacts anything that happens in the tournament. Because in rivalries and a lot of other sports, that adrenaline and that animosity does impact it. I mean, it's it's real. It has it. It has an an impact on the outcome. Golf's a different deal, as Quinn Snyder just said uh, in his availability last night. No one tries to block a put, a putt, you know. So it's it's a different deal. Do you think there's a level of animosity that is real and would impact the tournament if they were going head to head or in a group of three or four guys competing for the title on the back nine Sunday? Well, you know, the interesting thing about golf is that, you know, guys put on their game face. You know, you look at Tiger Woods throughout the years. Um, another one is Raymond Floyd. When I was caddying for Keith Clearwater on the PGA Tour in 1992, I remember we got in the final group. No, we were in the, we were in the, yeah, we were in the final group in the third round playing with Raymond Floyd, who went on to win the golf tournament and we finished, uh, Keith finished second. Um, but we shook hands at the beginning of the round. And we shook hands at the end of the round, and really not much was said the rest of the way. It was the same way with Tiger Woods when he got on the golf course and he had a chance to win a golf tournament. You you shake hands, you're cordial at the beginning of the round, and you go about your business. And you uh, you, you don't chat or get chatty with guys and that kind of thing. That's the way they played. Um, And so I wouldn't expect anything different with um, Brooks and and Bryson if they got paired together. I wouldn't expect that they would be chatty or talking or anything like that. Uh, they would go about their business, definitely. Especially Brooks. He's he's kind of under the mold of, uh, of a Tiger Woods or something like that. So, um, uh, yeah, you know, the, the, US, the USGA does some interesting stuff. The last time they played the U.S. Open at um, at Torrey Pines, they they paired Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, and Adam Scott, the top three players in the world at the time, together. Um, I would not be surprised if they didn't pair those two guys together. Um, they probably won't, but I would not be surprised if they did. So if the leader on Saturday tests positive for COVID, what do you think should happen? He's out. That's just what they're going to do. That's what the what the PGA Tour did, and and because of that, I think um, uh, it's. I, I, in my opinion, I thought I thought it was kind of it's kind of crazy. I thought that um, their testing um, was interesting because they tested him. They found out through contact tracing that he was around somebody that con- contracted or and and had COVID. So they tested him every day. Uh, the second round did not get over till Saturday morning. They tested him Saturday morning, uh, came back positive. So they tested him again with the they tested the sample again, and it came back positive. So 
they tested the same sample. They what they in my opinion what they should have done is tested them again after um, after they found out it was positive, tested tested him again to see if it was positive, and um, um, instead of running the same test again, so um, he's been he's been quarantined. He's now had two negative tests, and he's cleared. He's cleared to go. Unfortunately, he didn't uh, get to play in the final round, and he probably would have gone on to win that golf tournament. But you know, if somebody tests positive, you know, there's certain protocols that are in place, and if they did po- test positive during the week, most of the guys are tested at the beginning of the week. His his was an extenuating circumstance because of the contact tracing, and he had to be tested every day. So there are a lot of people who think, oh, they should have just sent him out by himself, kept him away from everybody. What would the reaction have been from the other tour players when everybody knows the rules when the tournament starts? How would other players have reacted publicly and privately? Well, I, you know, I think, I think that's the whole point. Everybody knows the rules. Um, but in, in my opinion, if, if something like that happens and, and, and you're in a final group or, or something, you know, at at the masters um at at other um big events they send out a marker with the first player um there's a guy that's a member at augusta national that plays if there's an odd player in after they make the cut if there's an odd player he plays with that player um the first group out well i think it's obvious bob that, to say that they couldn't do that in the last group. Yeah, I got you. So, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I, you know, the other thing is you got to look at the guys that he played with, Carl, Colin Morikawa, um, and uh, um, um, who ended up winning, uh, Patrick Cantley. So you got to look at those guys. Those guys, those guys were around in the whole time too. So what? Yeah. What's their? What's what's going to be? What they have to do? Um, and and the other guys that he played with in the first two rounds, those guys can right. come down with it as well. So I get your point. Um, I I just think that I, I I don't know that that they handled it properly. Um, I think for for visual, um, I think they had to do what they had to do. But as far as the players were concerned, um, there were quite a few of them that came out and said that uh, they were a little disappointed with the way that the PGA Tour handled it. I think after Phil winning the PGA, they just get sick and tired of Sun Devils dominating. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> Got to be what it is, don't you yeah. think, PK? I think it's so, so, <laughs> so clear. They're probably going to come up with something on Paul Casey next. I mean, this is getting, oh. this is getting out of hand. How many Sun Devils are on tour? Seriously, I think there's five or yeah. so. And you got the Perez, Pat Perez, who I believe his father. Was the pro at Torrey Pines when pro when Perez was growing up? Correct. Could it, it could be Pat Perez is from the San Diego yeah, area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you've got like Phil, as you said. You've got Xander Shoffley. Um, there's quite a few guys that uh, that that grew up in that San Diego area that are going to be really comfortable on that golfers that they play. Torrey. Any chance for the uh, ultimate feel good story with our man Phil getting the career slam? He can't do it again, can he? You know, um, <laughs> stop it, Bob. I Bob, can. I really don't know if he can, but I <laughs> okay. wouldn't put it past him, especially after winning the PGA Championship. I'll guarantee you, we haven't seen him since. 
Um, and I'll guarantee you he went back home and he is grinding. He was working hard to keep things in place to, to, uh, to have a chance this week. You know, career grand slam, um, Tory Pines, hometown kid. Uh, this could be a great Disney story movie. Amy, Sophie, the there's, kids. There's you, Amanda. There, there's a huge <laughs> stop it. There's a huge youth tournament down there, and they play different age groups on different yeah, courses. Right, yep. but aren't the aren't the, like the 17 and 18 year old guys playing Tory Pines? And oh, so, they do. yeah. So doesn't someone like Phil have this home course knowledge? Not just not like going out there like you and Bob did and played it a thousand yards shorter, but playing it in something like a tournament setup. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, you know, the, that's played every year. <clears throat> I got, I, in fact, I played in it one year, um, qualified here in the state of Utah, and then uh, was able to go down and play in Junior World. But uh, yes, yeah, seventeen-year, eighteen-year-olds. Um, you know, Phil grew up playing junior golf there in California and and in the San Diego area. Um, he's won on that golf course before. Um, there's, he's got a lot of things going for him. So, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily know that he will, um, he's like the ultra, ultra long shot, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him that he's ready or has an opportunity to get himself in the mix. He's sandbagging. He's going to use a second round pick on him when we do the draft. No, I think Phil. Negative. I think Phil is automatically <laughs> belonged to me. PK. Yeah. He's automatically. <laughs> I'm going be- to leave that one to PK. Right. He's my guy. I've been in his in-law's house before they moved, of course. <laughs> Lived up the there street you from me. Uh, you've played San Hollow, haven't you? I have. Okay, four over from the whites. Is that a good score? Four over from the white tees? Yeah. Yeah, that's a decent score. You bet. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you ask me if it's a great score, I'd say no. But it's a good score. 38-38. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Good how, job. How much yardage did you save moving from the blues to the whites? Well, on the fronts, you only save about uh, less than 200. On the back, it's probably about 400. So how many strokes is that worth, Bob? Just trying to translate, you know, what he would have shot from the blues. He probably would have shot um, 80 from the blues. Yeah. I'd take 80 from the blues there anytime. Yeah. Anything that's single digits I would uh sign up on yeah. especially at that course the the back nine yeah. back nine's longer the 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 blues is uh the, the whites is only 3000 but from the front it's like 33 so there's not that big of a difference there in the yeah. front well these guys are playing Tory Pines at 37 and no 38 and almost 4000 oh yeah i mean that's that's massive <laughs> at sea level, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at sea, and, and and so the interesting thing is, uh, um, I was listening to some guys talking this morning, and they were saying that when that June gloom rolls in, uh-huh. um, it it causes the ball at at sea level and there at the golf course causes the ball to go anywhere from five to six yards shorter. Yeah, yeah, of course. That with, makes sense. With that, with that moisture as it, as it moves in and it, and it gets a little cooler. Are they pushing it back the times so we get some later golf? Um, I, you know, I think they will. Uh, um, but you know, golf is especially major championships now. 
you know, you'll get an early part of the broadcast, um, whether it's on ESPN or mm-hmm. Golf Channel or whatever, and then you'll get a later part of the broadcast as well. But you know, it's going to finish. It's going to finish around probably um, California time. You know, it's going to finish in prime time East Coast. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be probably around a five thirty end, five thirty finish, six o'clock finish. Oh, really? I thought it might yeah. even be later than that. It could be. It could be. I know Augusta finishes at around seven p.m. Eastern time. Right, uh, but around- you. Yeah, but yeah. You, you got the advantage on the West Coast of finishing up. You know, there's plenty of sunlight at seven o'clock in oh, yeah. San Diego, oh, yeah. which means yeah. you could finish at eight, it'd be eight o'clock here to PK's point and ten o'clock in the East prime time, getting much bigger ratings. Right, you bet. And you know what the bad part? You know what the bummer part is? Is you know we've only got one more major championship after this one this week, and that's the the British Open. But then. Uh, um, we've got in September, we've got the Ryder Cup. So, um, you know, it's, there's going to be some exciting weeks coming up, uh, in, in, in the game of golf. There's, uh, you know, the tour championship and the playoffs, those things coming up, coming up, but golf seasons, you know, we're, we're in June right now, mid June right now. And by, uh, you know, mid to later September, um, golf season is going to be over. Uh, for this year, and we're going to be starting back up again in October for the next year. Circle of golf. Yep. <laughs> it's good stuff. I feel like i got to sing a Disney song now. <laughs> All right, Bob, we will talk to you again in a couple days, and we will do the draft, and uh, draft. PK will introduce new rules because it's been winner-take-all, and uh, if we don't pick a winner, PK still wants to have a winner between us. So I don't know oh, what okay. crazy rules he's going to cook up, but there's something coming. Okay, sounds good. All right, thanks, Bob. Bob Casper, Brian Taylor, Saturday mornings, Real Golf Radio, right here on the Zone Sports Network from 6 to 9 a.m., and they'll be joining us all week long on every show. Let's give away a golfer right now. You know how this works. We do it during every major championship. It is time for the UNA Golf U.S. Open Giveaway. Caller 12 right now. You'll be assigned a top 25 player in the world. One caller will be assigned the field. Who are we playing for right now, Yak? I'll give you your choice. We've got two guys we can go between here. Nope, just pick one. You want to pick one? Okay. Do it. You're in charge. Victor Hovland. There it is. If your player wins, Victor Hovland in this case, you'll receive a Callaway staff bag. It's brought to you by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. If you don't win now, stay tuned. Every show, all day, today, tomorrow, and Wednesday, giving away golfers and the field. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Qualify for the Uinta Golf, the U.S. Open giveaway right now. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Howard Beck is with us, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. It's not that I'm surprised by anything the Jazz are doing. It's more just surprised at the state of the series at this point. The fact that I thought things were a little bit more evenly matched. But, you know, things go this way at times, and it can tip in a hurry. And, you know, we'll see where it goes from here as as the series shifts to L.A. You know, the Clippers have shown that bounce-back ability before, obviously, very recently, going down 2-0 and then 3-2 against Dallas. So we'll see if there's another gear for them. But so far, just... you know, impressive all the way around for, for Utah. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Zero Res. When you get the carpets and tile clean, it's never just clean. It's Zero Res clean. Don't accept it any other way. It's just $33 per room clean. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today. Call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online by searching for Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. Utah Jazz, blown out by the Clippers. PK, we got people who are stressed. But you know what? The people who are stressed are the loudest. Because most people have a lot of confidence going into this. Put a poll question up. Who wins tonight? Jazz go up 3-1 or the Clippers tied up 2-2? 70% of the people think the Jazz are going up 3-1. So, are the Jazz in serious trouble? Most people think no. If you're about to win Game 4 on the road to go up 3-1, you are not in serious trouble. You are in a glorious position. Now, how do we know we're about to win Game 4 on the road? Well, 70% of the people believe it. You don't know it. I think that's the nature of a long series. You know very little things. You think you know a lot in the Memphis series, and it's a little easier to tell, and turns out you do. But it's hard to know in the Clippers series. Looks like a more even matchup. Looks like a longer series. Little things can swing it. And if it swings one way, a little thing can swing it back the other way. As we saw, the Jazz shot it really well in Game 2 and 1. Clippers shot it really well in Game 3 and 1. All right, it is time right now for the Chevy Strong play of the game. This looked and sounded like a series-changing moment. And now. Your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Durant being hounded back door to Irving, who lays it in. And then fell hard on his right side, and he's down. Holding his right ankle. Up top on Tedekumpo. Out of the left, Connaughton for three is no good. Irving is still down as the Nets get the rebound. Griffin's got it. Irving's holding his right ankle. Harry Irving is in pain. He's slamming the floor. It's his right ankle. Oh, he really turned it back. There it is. Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today at 450 on the big show, and you can win fabulous prizes. Not the typical play of the game, but PK. The Nets are the favorite. Maybe not by a wide margin, but they are the favorite. And now with Harden out with a hamstring, and with Kyrie Irving down, and with a series of Milwaukee tied at 2-2, ooh, the door's open. Who wants to run through it? Bucks first, I guess, but that opens the door for everybody else if the Bucks win two of the next three. Well, if the Nets are out, to me, that just further amplifies my confidence in the West, meaning whoever comes out of the West will win the title, which we're now we're down to three teams. And I believe a compromised Nets team, whoever is of that three of the out of the West, will win if the Nets are in... A, an injury situation. The Sixers or the Bucks would not survive an NBA Finals is what you're saying. I do not believe so against the three teams. No, I do not. Suns finished off the Nuggets, so Phoenix now waiting, and they're going to get a week off, maybe more. Gets to be a problem at some point. I don't remember the Jazz off 10 days oh, before the Finals. That's as much of a problem as you allow it to be. Good news is Chris Paul ought to feel better, although he was feeling awfully good in Game 4. I thought he, yeah, I didn't think he was injured any 14 part of the series. 14 of 19 for 37 points. He lit it up. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, to look ahead to Game 4 tonight. Stay with us.